Right back at it tonight. New York Rangers in town. Leafs looking at game four of this young season. We got the same casting characters coming into today's show. Derek is our tech guy. Sammy, producer by day. The pulse of Leaf Nation at night. <laughs> Justin Bourne. What's up, Kipper? How you doing, buddy? What's going on, boys? Oh, man. Well, you know, Sammy was in the building on uh, on the weekend. He got to go to a Toronto Maple Leafs hockey game. Uh, Sammy, how, how did it feel, man? What was the, what was the temperature in there? felt spectacular fellas to be back in the building it had been a long time uh it wasn't at the last one they played there against tampa so it had been before that so i mean however many days ago that was but it's great to be back there it's a saturday night crowd it's always better than the weekday crowds it's always very uh it's a slow starting crowd usually but then once it really gets into the second and third period the crowd's great on saturday night so it was awesome to be back fellas lots to get into no question about that as we look forward and we take a look behind uh of course, tonight going in, Austin Matthews, huge story coming in. First game of the season. Later on in the show, we'll have Emily Kaplan from ESPN. Man, she's a busy woman. TV, radio, and of course, she wrote the story, the cover story on Austin Matthews. Full spread ESPN. So we'll get into that with her later on in the show. Also, Brian Lawton. Yes, the same Brian Lawton that blew us off on Friday. <laughs> Nowhere to be found. So we will bust on him for that, but he'll be able to join us later on in the hour as well. So tons, guys, absolutely tons. Uh, let's start with the good. How about we keep it a little positive? After all, they are winners of two of three. So uh, where do we start? Do we Let's start from the net on out. Yeah. Because uh, it does have a domino effect. And, of course, Alex Bishop all of a sudden became uh, a local household name overnight uh, and, and how he was thrust into a backup position Saturday night. Uh, but I, I got to say, guys, out of this young season coming through training camp and now for the first – uh, three games of the season. For me, the biggest story of them all has to just be the poise of Jack Campbell so far in this young season. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head there. This Leaf season, really kind of, kind of low-key storyline hung on the balance of them getting goaltending. And there was no promises in the absence of uh, Freddie Anderson that Jack Campbell was going to be able to do it. Uh, and of course, no promises that it's going to work out. But right now, through he's made three appearances... He is leading the NHL in save percentage. It's one of those things where someone scores in the first game and you say they're on an 82-goal pace. Jack Campbell, on pace for the greatest season of all time, 968 save percentage through uh, three appearances. Not such a bad start. Leafs needed it bad. Sammy, was there a sense Saturday night in the building? I mean, we didn't necessarily, uh, I didn't get, pick up on that vibe, but is there a sense that they're starting to be a little bit of a love affair uh, between the city and and Jack and and not just about his goaltending, but the whole package, including uh, that personality and that, uh, that that feeling that every mom wishes their daughter would be, bring home a guy like Jack <laughs> Campbell for themselves? Well, I will say that you know it really seems to be a sense of a fan base that's fallen in love with Jack Campbell. 
and you know whoever you talk to about him whoever you sort of pick their brain on him about he is he's pretty much loved universally other than you kipper who you know you don't you don't think he's you think he's just too nice you think he's too nice a guy but you know <laughs> i think there's a long time where this fan base didn't really get to cheer for him right like his tenure in toronto where there's a lot of it was pandemic time like there was no fans in the building last year for him to get cheered for so Every little, like, they weren't even really big saves he was making. There was soup chants going out. You really felt in the building that there is a real love for him. And I don't want to, like, throw, you know, throw dirt on Freddie. But, you know, I went to a lot of games when Freddie was in net. And I never got the same sense, you know, the same sort of that they were really? cheering. Honestly. Like, there would but be there was here, an and appreciation. There, here and there it would be Freddie chants or whatever. And, like, you know, it would be in big games where he'd make a big save. But, like... It's the third game of the season, and they're chanting soup on like a dump in that hit his pad. Like I don't know, it just really feels like they 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 love him. That he is so, a big time loved figure on the Leafs. Uh, JB, you you had that sense too that there's some nights that we we watched Frederick Anderson, but there wasn't that mm-hmm. complete buy in on him because I watched a lot of nights where he saved their bacon. Yeah. I feel like they had a trust in Freddie. When you know, in good Freddie, there was a trust there. They like appreciated him. But you know, I like the point Sam made about they haven't been able to show their love affair. And since they've been away, they've watched Jack Campbell's interviews and they've watched him play well and they've watched him in all or nothing. And all this is like built up to this like moment of getting to show him. I wonder if uh, Mikheyev is fearing for his soup sponsor- uh, sponsorship right now. Jack's coming to get it. <laughs> is that the Campbell soup slogan? There we go. Good. That's some home cooking right there for Jack Campbell. Uh, <laughs> nice job. Now, does he? So, where would we put this in now? Because if we look over the past what twenty years, thirty years, uh, is it? Can can he can he hit Felix Potvan status? Can he? Can right? He can. They right? win. Cujo. We just had Cujo on last week. Could he? Could he get himself in in that in that I, place? I honestly think that if Jack Campbell is the you know go to guy for the rest of this season when Mrazek gets back, but it's still Campbell as like the quote unquote starter. And they get into the playoffs, and they win a couple rounds. They go deep okay, into the playoffs. Right. I know we're going way ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Oh, you think? You think <laughs> so we're they, in game if they're four? They're a dynasty team. But, but if, listen, listen, if, listen. Sammy, how many ifs did you give me there? Four or five? I lost I, count. Well, I mean, was, we're talking about the Leafs. It's a lot of ifs and buts, fellas. A was, lot was of ifs last, and buts. Was the last if in, in March or April? So, if he is the reason they go past the first round, or God forbid, two rounds, and this fan base has been starved for you know any sort of success in the playoffs and he's a big reason why there is definitely a chance he gets into the Cujo Felix Potvin love level like there is no debate that he will be especially with his the way he acts and you know his how much he's loved off the ice there's no doubt fellas he will be a fan 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 favorite up in that echelon it's funny, like in Toronto, uh, I think there's a vibe because the you know a lot of people don't sit down early in the periods, and the you know, the joke is that they're out getting sushi during the game. They're not that engaged. Toronto fans still want someone to be humble, be underpaid, and to perform. That's what Jack Campbell is. They don't want to see someone who's over overpaid and whiny and whatever. They want a guy like I know, but it's what they That's want. It. You just got Marner. 
uh, you got him trending again right now. <laughs> Listen, Just, I can't be, hey. I can't lie. That's what was in my brain as I was saying all that. Hey. Horrible, horrible of you because all it does is just pin the, the stars against that type of philosophy. But you're, am I wrong? Well, they want people who are underpaid and that's not right, but that's no, what they want. I, I, I don't believe that for one second. I just believe that they want people to stand up and, and uh, perform like they're supposed to. Okay. And if it means for all 10 right. and $11 million contracts, just, just, just score. Just perform. How about right? combined we, with the humility then, Kipper? So he's uh, well, he's not making a ton of money, and then he's well, going, "Well, my teammates are the greatest. And now I'm the worst." Now you're 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 in a Canadiana because yeah, that's what that's we good. do as Canadians, right? That's what we're we're talked about the way we are, and and hockey players in general that they are tend to be a little humbled, which we still like in 2021, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. I so mean, I, I do. So if we are talking about Jack Campbell going. In, in a certain direction, it might it might be forced into that a little earlier because of the uh, Peter Mrazek injury here. And, of course, this brings me up to this whole situation with uh, Alex Bishop coming in from the University of Toronto. Uh, and, and, again, uh, human interest story, terrific, isn't it, guys? Mm -hmm. But from a, from a sheer perspective of this is the NHL, the greatest league in the world, um, I don't necessarily want to spend $600 on a pair of tickets <laughs> and, and see a guy where you, you picked his name out of a hat. <laughs> no, I know. I, it is, it's a bad look. It's a bad look for the league. I want to, so we had a little bit of chat on this because we knew we were going to talk about it today, but we didn't get too in-depth. Who's to blame for this situation? And is anyone at all? Or is it just one of those unfortunate happenstance things? No, I don't think it's a uh, it happenstance. But you're going to tell me how many teams are in trouble like this besides the Toronto Maple Leafs, correct? That's what I have uh, in my quiver here. That's the arrow right. I'm going to pull out next. There's 15 teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs over the salary cap right now and into LTIR. 19 teams are within a million dollars of the cap. A couple of injuries to any team, and they have to dress less guys the way the Toronto Maple Leafs did. So my point is that I don't blame the Leafs. If you want to blame a salary cap structure or a league and some of the loopholes for the position to put them in, fine. But I don't think Toronto is at fault for having to, to address this backup goalie. But ultimately, and I include Kyle Dubas in this, they are the ones that are responsible for their cap. Yep. And you're, you're playing the percentages on Saturday night. You are really hoping that Jack Campbell's fine and you don't need to put the kid in there. But there was always... That that chance. Oh yeah, that could have been. And that. you know, it it's not talked about because nothing really happened. But if there was a scenario where he had to have come in and and possibly not even play well, or or you lose two points, now it's a huge story, is it not? Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, they did play the percentages because by waiting one one game to do this, they actually are now in a position to use Hutchinson without putting any pressure on their, their cap. So yeah. in, in that way, it's uh, a little bit of a risk reward, but right now they're in a scenario where they can use Hutchinson all the way until Mrazic comes back and it doesn't no cost, pay, it, no cost on the cap. So I get it, but is this the, like, this is game four 
JB game four. What this this is probably a scenario that you probably may we're used to looking at at the end of the season after the trade deadline or just before it. And and I'm I'm wondering if are, are we going to have to get used to this? We are like last year when Vegas was trying to win the President's Trophy. They're playing Colorado in a game. Fifteen skater skipper. They dressed fifteen skaters. Seventeen total guys if, if you count the goaltenders. Like that's, you know, they're going with 10 and five in one of the biggest games for their team of the season because of the situation their salary cap had put them in and where their injuries fell. The same night that Toronto had to do this with their backup goalie, Colorado, uh, they they dressed a guy less because of their salary cap situation. Toronto was in a position where they could have gone with 5D and Hutchison as the backup, but they wouldn't have been able to recall Lilligren for like as long as Mrazek was out because of the silly loopholes. So uh, the, my point is just that, this is just the way of the the world right now. Teams have decided the risk is worth spending the extra $1.5 million. They would have to stay below to insure against it. So, I mean, I get it. I think it's it sucks, and maybe the league could say, okay, you don't have to have played a game to be an emergency call-up the way that it worked with Mrazek and Hutchison. Maybe they can change something on their end so the teams don't have to, you know, do what are frankly kind of embarrassing actions trying to dress someone from college. Rangers tonight, and then they get a a, a good break till Friday where they play San Jose and then Pittsburgh on Saturday night. I, I assume we're going to see Hutchinson Friday night. Does that make uh, does that sound right? Is it back to back? You said, yeah. If it's not a back to back, I don't think we'll see him. I'm not do sure. we do. Do Leaf fans have to worry about the er, okay. early added strain on Jack Campbell with Peter Morazic out? This isn't a, a necessarily a guy that's also, um, been able to avoid key injuries. And last year was the big one where he popped his groin. Mm-hmm. So yes, <laughs> is, is there a sense of, how do you feel about it? I nervousness, feel, you know, I, as someone who's hoping for a successful season out of the Toronto Maple Leafs, it doesn't make me super comfortable. Well, it's, it's, it's not the, the game plan. No. Right. So I, Jack Campbell, we assume, under any circumstances, should not be staring at 55 games in the season, close to 60. Right. Well, what do you think the plan was originally? 43 and 39. <laughs> you wow. know, something very close to a split. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't give Mrazic nearly $4 million bucks a year to, to come play 20 times. So, yeah, but either way, Campbell has done it so far. He's been wonderful. Mrazic's injury is not too bad. The hope is that this isn't uh, isn't such a big deal, but certainly uh, it had the potential to be a real problem here early on. If Jack Campbell is is the lead story so far in this young season, uh, right right through training camp to to where we are tonight, is is Michael Bunting uh, a close second? <laughs> isn't he been something for the Leafs? Speaking of people that play exactly how Toronto wants you to play. Just a go, go, go guy. Speaking of making, you know, 950 grand, like just a workhorse. Sheldon Keith actually had, do you want to listen to that Keith clip? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Keith had some good things to say about him. Let's run that. Whether he's scoring or not, he's competing at a very high level. He's engaged in the game and he's engaged in every shift. Um, he wants to score. And when I say that, I mean, of course, everybody wants to score, but it's very obvious. It's apparent he's putting himself out there. He's not afraid to go to the areas where the goals are more likely to happen. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's in the fight every day. That's what I like about him. 100% true. Like 100% that. accurate. It's what we've, at least I've been saying 
in this early season. It's it's not the goals that concern me with this hockey club at times. It's it's the the shifts and the minutes between the goals. And Sheldon's got it bang on with this guy. You just notice him every shift. Yeah, he's just trying go, to create. Go, go. He's just trying to create. And and if he's not scoring, he's pissing somebody off. We've got we've got Rick Tockett later on in the show too, and and I want to really get into him because his style of play, ultimate power forward, and I, I don't think certainly Bunting will ever get to be as heavy as a Rick Tockett. No, but certainly Rick Tockett's done enough coaching in the last little while to maybe help us understand why is it so easy for a guy like bunting to go out there and do what he does. And then there's Nick Ritchie who, I don't know, does Sheldon need to light a firecracker under his ass? Is that, is that where we're at after a, a few games? I don't understand how or what else Sheldon could do or say, like, I wonder if it's a thing of wanting it too much. It's kind of like paralyzed. I, I feel like Michael bunting plays with a freedom. Like, there's no too much respect for the opponent. There's no, he just does everything he can, every shift. And Richie feels like he's in, uh, you know, bubble hockey tracks to me. He goes up and down and kind of waits for the play to happen around him and doesn't, uh, you know, influence the play in any meaningful way so far. I, you know, I, I joked about the old, like, office space. What would you say you do here? And I'm left wondering that after three games so far. Took the the the, the cross-checking penalty. Right. I, I think I... I see a guy trying to be a little bit more forceful out there, which hey, it's got to start somewhere. And I didn't really like the penalty, but at least he's trying to get a little bit more engaged. I'm not, I'm not sure it, it comes as naturally to Nick Ritchie as it does bunting. There just seems to be a, an easier flow to the energy that bunting brings shift after shift. And mm-hmm. it, it, it may be exactly why Anaheim let him go, and, and the Boston Bruins let him go. And correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, but didn't he still score 15 goals last season? Like, think about this for a second. Oh. It's the Boston Bruins, a big, strong guy. Fought, and scored you, And you, you scored 15 goals. 15 goals is hard in the NHL. It's not easy. And yet, they still let him walk out the door. Like, what does that say? You know what worries me is I don't think he can play down the lineup because of what we're talking about. Like, he's not going to be impactful in a purely forechecking, grindery, you know, bottom line role, is he? Like, just from what we've seen, that doesn't seem to be an element of his game. But if he's not contributing offensively, like, you can't just let a guy take that roster spot along two of the best players on Earth, on planet Earth. You can't just let him have that spot. So I guess this is how we get to the, I know it's only three games, try not to overreact, but we've seen what we've seen. And so far we've seen nothing. So I just don't know where he plays. If he loses that spot, Mikheyev comes back and takes it, which also not great, but whatever, you know, wh- where does he go? That's a ways away. So it, it's not in the equation right now. So let's just focus on, on what is. Lines at practice yesterday, we assume that Richie will start with Matthews and Marner, Bunting, Tavares, Nylander, Kerfoot, Camp, Kasha, Engvall, Spezza, Simmons. So Nick Richie will get a chance now with Austin Matthews. 
And maybe that in itself will be enough to maybe get him going a little bit. He did look good in, in preseason. He, he did. did have yep. a presence in that. Now, I, I ask you this. Have, have the games gotten a little quicker between then and now? Probably. Don't you think? I mean, a couple of AHL guys get trimmed from the roster. Guys kick it up to uh, to game speed a little bit higher. It could be that half a degree of temperature up. That's just too much for him. You know, there there are those guys on earth who are, you know, we call them quad A players that exist in the American League and they kill it. And the NHL is just a step too much and they can't get to the same areas. It could be that that, that little extra bit of speed just changes his ability to to get to the spots he'd be really dangerous at. I talked to uh, someone that's watched uh, New York, Boston quite often last year, and Richie did show up against the New York Rangers, and maybe it's something about them that maybe lights a fire under him, Uh, but maybe this is the lineup that can get him going, and and you got to assume right now, guys, that uh, whether it's Sheldon or Kyle, someone's been whispering in his ear that he's going to have to have uh, more of a presence here and why why not start with Austin Matthews this to me this is another great opportunity for Nick Ritchie to show that he can be an effective top six forward do you want to hear my take on that to me it's an opportunity to to fail it's a, you know you're starting right away with the best players and the best opportunity and if it doesn't work out what do you have left what do you do after that it's just like you guys making two point five million dollars. He's not making ten. So it just to me, it puts unfair expectations on him. Like, are we talking about him this much if he's not in that roster spot? No, I think it like it burns the the spotlight. I know they don't have other options, so I don't really blame them either. I just it feels like too much too soon for him. Well, and when we when we spoke of the Leafs, we, we before the season started, even before training camp, we looked at their left side, and. It's what we envisioned tonight. Richie, Bunting, Kerfoot, and Engvall. Not exactly. Three complete, third line left wingers. Complete Stanley Cup contending a left wing side. So can Richie play on the third line? Yeah, absolutely. Richie can play on the third line. I I don't think for one second he couldn't go there and, and find a spot for 10 or 12 mi- uh, minutes and, and maybe chip in eight or 10 goals. But that's not that's not the game plan. And if it is, it's plan B because plan A didn't work. And now is it Kerfoot up there with Matthews and Marner? That to me is not, again, caliber, Stanley Cup ca- uh, caliber left wing for Matthews and Marner. No. Fair enough. We shall see how uh, maybe there's a trade in the works down the roads. Do you want to do... Uh, a, a positive piece on on Riley. Are you done with Richie? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, should we talk a little bit about you know Tavares and Marner having yeah. a gazillion chances? <laughs> and I, I've I've never seen two guys hungrier for an empty net. Oh my god! Like just chum in the I, water, shark circle. You know what? There, these guys will retire one day and they'll look at their career stats and they'll go. Oh, my God, that empty net goal against um, 
Ottawa on Saturday night. <laughs> and that sh- whatever my career earn- uh, uh, numbers are going to be, it should have been one more. Tavares one is going to finish one short of like 600 goals or something. <laughs> I have no, no idea how many he has. Oh, no, no. How about uh, uh, Medano, right? What did Medano end up his career with? Oh, is he, he just short of major with- milestones? I don't know. We'll Didn't he finish... Uh, Sammy with like he, 599 or something? No, he finished with what, 561 goals, but he finished his NHL totals was 1499. No, 1499. Get him yeah, in a that's game. Right. But, but yeah. wasn't that the big story with Babs? Where yes, Babs didn't Babs. play him? Babs sat him out. Yeah, Babs sat him. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah. heaven forbid those guys end up yep. with something 99. You know, the um, what's funny about the Marner and uh, Tavares thing is Marner went to Tavares 366 times during that game. He couldn't finish. The last time Marner kept it in shot, he should have just gone to the well one more time. JT was opened up for a one-timer, like, let me do this. Didn't get the puck in the last one. Too bad. But still. They, they, so do you tell on? Do you take a positive or a negative from them getting all those chances not scoring? Yeah, they're their jobs to produce. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Lee fans really care how many chances they had. It's just the ones that uh, didn't go in. That's what they 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 notice, and they they these guys have to produce. They have to get their cookies. That's their measuring stick here. And Ma- Mar- uh, Matthews will come in and, and help that. the The looks, the different looks that Matthews will open up for these guys, should should be enough to get them on a bit of a scoring streak here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine he's got a pretty heavy uh, heavy gravity for the defense. Uh, you know, you see Matthews out there tonight, a lot of hype about him coming back. I imagine the Rangers are going to give him lots of attention. It should open up more room for Mitch than he's had over the past couple of nights. But I, to his credit, I thought that Marner played a good hockey game. All he could do is get the guy in the spots and wait for Tavares to put it away. I don't think that Tavares necessarily blew, necessarily blew any of the opportunities. I thought he made some decent plays. So I think, the you know, they have games like that enough. Uh, I take that as a positive. Even though they didn't put the puck in the net, I think it's a step for, the, for those two. You okay with the power play, sticking with it? Uh, I just, I am still not comfortable that Marner is engaged as much as he should be on a, on a power play with those figure eights waiting for the bump. Yeah, waiting for a quick touch. It's tough to not be comfortable with it just because Nylander and Matthews are such great shooters and Spez has been very good there. You know what I think is always a holdup and I don't, I think he's their best option, but Morgan Riley at the top, I, I just, I don't love his vision. I don't think he's a, he has great. I just want him to get the puck. Let's see if when Matthews is back, if he just puts it to the Matthews side, I wanted him to do that with the Spez side over and over. We'll see if he can do that, but you know, I think that in general, I like the idea of sticking with it because the flank shooters yeah, are so good. But that, but that's that's also that's also what Montreal knew that was coming, and defended it quite well. Just but going the, back down to the wall. Yes. Yeah. And it, 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 how quickly can you rotate the puck to to get it to him? That maybe, was an issue. Maybe don't it, dust it, it slowed, off. It, it just slowed down for whatever reason. It just it just absolutely slowed down. But there's no question that you have to stick with it, yeah. especially with Matthews returning. Like you have to, ha- you have to give it a good look with Matthews right now. So we'll anticipate that first power play and see where, where Matthews can, can fall into it, but got a lot of shooters out there, mm-hmm. especially if it's Nylander, uh, Matthews and Spezza. If Spezza's out there, these guys like to shoot the puck. Yeah, Tavares in front of the net will, Get his shots too, presumably. So who who's the is is 
is Marner the lone playmaker out there? I think that's fair three to say. shooters. Unless, unless you think Riley is, which I don't. But yeah, no. So it's going to be fun to see what they look like when they all get back together. Um, you know, Tavares and Marner, as we said, had a good day. Riley, you know, I, I, I took a couple shots at him there for the uh, the power play vision sometimes. But I thought outside of the power play, that looked like the Morgan Riley that can anchor a defense, did it not? Well, listen, it, he's so important to that team. The the minutes, uh, skating the puck up the ice, uh, he he does a ton of stuff for them. And they're going to try to squeeze everything they can out of him in his, in his last year. Now, what did you think of the uh, uh, the lower part of the uh, the blue line? Uh, Sandine continues to show that he's got amazing potential when he's facing up the ice, <laughs> right? But yeah. uh, looking on the other side of the puck defensively, I thought he really struggled Saturday night. I did kills me man it kills me because he's so good he's so good like he has been the the fancy stats let me tell you they love him i mean expected goals kipper tons of them he's uh sorry do you see do you see ennis walk him behind the net i did in front of the net like like you got to get a piece you cannot let him walk directly from behind the net right and, and not get a piece of him and that's that's the part that's worrisome for him. That's fixable, and, though, eh? Like, he's not like well, he got out-muscled. Yes. He's just he's, he's yes. skating the wrong way. He's skating at him yeah. instead of with him. You know when it's fixable, JB? Ah. In, like, two years. Hey. No, I'm I'm dead serious. He's, yeah. he's, he's young, and for some of these guys, it may take them to 24, 25 before they truly understand. And sandine cannot play 15 18 minutes a night if he cannot defend that is the difference when you talk about talented players like sandin if you want them to play 15 18 minutes they have to learn how to defend and it's a big ask for him right now the greatest of all time in terms of efficiency of movement is probably nick lidstrom right like not doing too much just being in the right place on the Leafs blue line, you see it in Jake Muzzin. You never see him running around at guys, kind of chasing. He's always sort of just makes guys come through him. I love what Sandine does on the offensive side of the puck and on breakouts and in the neutral zone and on and on and on. But in his own zone, I would love to see him just make guys come through him. Even if he's not the most physically strong, get a piece. Don't be skating at guys. Like he's got to find a way to contain guys better in the D zone so we can get on the rink more so we can use the assets on the other side of the puck. Lilligren, uh, can he? Is he a sixth, seventh defenseman? There's some nights he he can't play. I so I feel like I'm on an island here. I thought he was terrible. I I, I just not that w- depends what your expectations are for a guy in that role. I don't need him to do anything great. I just thought every time he touched the puck, the you know it felt like he made the worst of two decisions and the puck was going the wrong way. And so what's he supposed to be? Like he's not. Like, I mean, I'm not even being sarcastic. Like, what is his role is supposed to be as a defenseman? Is he going to be a puck mover? Is he offensive? He's not fit. I, I no, just... not offensive. So then not what offensive. is he? He is a depth guy. He is, he is, uh, should be a guy that defends. In That's theory. What he should be. In theory. He should, he should be a guy that can make a great first pass and defend. But uh, that's it. It's hard. It's it hard is. for him. And I understand it's hard to find these guys 
um, you know, not a shot at the person or anything. I'm just saying well, I, I don't see how it fits right now. Should me. have a pretty good chance though if you're if you're drafting them in the first round. You should have a decent chance at it. Let's, and uh, uh, it's it's been a, a work in progress for him. All right, so big picture here, guys. Yeah. Sam, back in the conversation here on Austin Matthews, and and uh, what's what's next? What's what are Lee fans going to look at? Uh, missed the first three games, but hopefully he's healthy for for all the rest of them. What is what's minimal here? But you you got to assume that. That breaking Rick Vibes' record for most most goals in the season has to be high on the priority based on how close he was last season under a shortened season. No doubt. And I think, you know, it's been in a whole offseason, him training, him getting better, him just a year older, uh, having that more power. Like, I, I really feel, you know, with the fans back in the building, he'll be energized. I feel like it could be a big night tonight and a big year this year. Like, you really do get that feeling. You know, Marner, having him back reunited with Marner, probably going to energize him. I really do feel as though it's going to be a huge year for Austin Matthews. And I know that's not a really bold prediction. I think it'd be more bold to be like, hey, I'm just going to get 20. <laughs> but no, I, I, he's definitely going to be threatening uh, Vibes' goal record. There's you, no doubt. You know what I noticed, Sammy, is like, remember when LeBron was like this big, like, you know, when he was young, everyone was like, look at the size of this kid. And then he got leaner instead of getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Like, Matthews has done that. Matthews is lean. And, you know, you hear about the way he skates now. I thought when he was younger, he lumbered a little bit. Like, he wasn't necessarily fleet of foot. He was just a great finisher. Now that he's older and he's 220 of lean muscle, I think you're going to see a better skating Austin Matthews. And if he can just get a few more chances off the rush because of that, I think that's the goals he needs to put him over the top. And, yeah, take take the all-time least single-season goal record down. And I think it's awesome for the least lineup tonight because Willie Nylander has been I think it's pretty pretty fair to say he's been their best forward so far this year Agreed. and I think once you kind of put him down there with with Tavares it's going to maybe energize Tavares a little bit too so I just it's it's an easy thing to say but having your number one center back the trickle back the trickle down effect it has on the rest of your lineup is going to be huge so I'm I you know I'm not a betting man but I know Borny loves to gamble so if there's a if there's a, a puck line to bet over on uh Awesome, Matthews tonight. Maybe one and a half. I might be looking at that to get a little get a little odds on it because I feel Plus like he's going. I, I feel like he's going to shoot a couple under the bar tonight. I got a funny feeling. The only thing I would kind of be cautious about is that if if Matthews comes out and just starts trying to shoot the lights out here, mm. and uh, uh, he loves goals, he's damn good at it. But as a centerman, you still have to be able to set up your 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 wingers as well here and you don't have to take every puck to the net and i would like to see a little bit more in that game in in his game where he can start drawing people in and and finding guys off the post for easy tap-ins and if he can add that to his game and i like guys i, I mean the records are great but he doesn't need to set any records. He just needs to make sure that the Leafs go deep in the playoffs. <laughs> well, okay? it's clearer than it's, ever. It's his team. It, it, it is his team. But don't don't come out here and, and just start thinking that you, you, there's there's a number of 55 or 60 here that you're going to hit here. But, I'd I'd rather him score 45 and 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 be that guy that can also now draw people towards him and find open men. But that's the the guy they're playing him with doesn't really shoot that well so I it's, mean, it's he can on, put away tappins for sure he can put away <laughs> tappins no hey. doubt but like the way they've kind of created the d- dynamic on that line kipper 
is by putting Matt as Marner the as the disher and Matthews as the finisher. So just going back to your theory from our first week that sent everybody for a loop, maybe Marner should be playing center, eh, Kip? JB, you know how I feel. <laughs> I, still, I mean, I, I love the way it's set up, but I do think this. Great players in the NHL evolve. They consciously evolve. Remember Sidney Crosby? He worked on his backhand. Then he worked on face-offs, and he got better. McKinnon's done the same. Matthews is adding elements to his game. I would mm-hmm. love him to take advantage of the fact that everyone thinks he's going to shoot the puck every second of the game to, to throw a couple more Mitchies way and to hold Nicholas Richie. And if uh, Mitch can shoot a couple on the net, that would be that nice, would too. That would be advantageous, yeah. too. 12 on net and 27 attempts so far. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. When we return, the man that blew us off says he's showing up. He better not let us down. Brian Lawton, former NHL player, agent, general manager, and NHL network analyst is up next. We're going to get into contracts. And where did Morgan Riley's fit in in the grand scheme of things? Because, man, oh, man, I like to be a defenseman in another life. That's the way to go. Emily Kaplan as well from ESPN. We're going to get into her Matthews story and what Leaf fans thought of it. Rick Tockett, the real Tockett, 22. That's his Twitter handle, and he's joining us as well. Three-time Stanley Cup champion. All when we return on Real Kipper and Bourne. Emily Kaplan from ESPN going to join us a little later on. Get into the Matthews story. Maybe a little Eichel update. Rick Tockett, TNT hockey analyst. Every Wednesday night now, he's also going to join us. And right now, do we have the Brian Lawton? Is this live, or did he pre-tape this because he had a previous engagement? (laughs) This is live right now from the farm fields of Wisconsin today. Yeah, how... I have this brand new show and I'm so nervous and and you blow me off last week. <laughs> what are you going to do to make it up? What are you going to do to like <laughs> dinner like what what can you do? What can you send me or you know that that can make up? Well, I would have thought you progressed from the old hockey mentality if it's free it's for me. <laughs> but I see that hasn't changed. <laughs> no, 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 that's my motto. You know that. <laughs> You know Some that. How are you? Change. you? I'm good? doing fantastic. How's the new show going? Congratulations. I'm super excited for you oh, and for all the yeah. listeners out there that have to get to listen to you. And unfortunately, will have to listen to me for this interview today. Well, I, I'm sure uh, JB and Sam can attest to this. I've, I've driven it in the ditch about a thousand times uh, in the first week. Oh, he's flying. He's flying lots. <laughs> That's good. Just like... Great to hear, and welcome yeah. aboard as well to yourself. I was very excited when I heard the news of you two working together. I think that's an awesome combination. Yeah, Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been yeah. Great. so let me start you on this, that uh, I said in, in my next life I want to come back to NHL defenseman because it is the spot. It, it doesn't matter. Pandemic, flat cap, it doesn't matter. These guys have gone to another level. Uh, Hamilton... And uh, we're watching all these huge contracts. Uh, Charlie McAvoy recently. And then the one here in Toronto is waiting for his turn, Morgan Riley. And uh, is this just proving to be uh, a statement from teams that you win on the blue line? I think so. 
And I can tell you way back when, when we drafted Victor Hedman in Tampa, you know, there wasn't really a lot of evidence of super successful guys drafted that early that go on and dominate, but we felt like Victor would be a game changer. And now as we fast forward really 11 years from that, you see that everybody is hard on their D. They recognize that you just can't find guys that can give you those kinds of minutes. Morgan Riley is going to make a fortune, you guys. And the world is his oyster as far as what he wants to do. From what I'm told, he wants to remain a Toronto Maple Leaf. But at the same time, the money is so compelling out there. And by waiting, he has done nothing but better himself. Yeah, we, we were kicking around numbers and contracts. So if you're if you're running the Toronto Maple Leafs right now and his his agent would agree to six years times eight million dollars per, would would you do it for, for a guy like Riley? If I were Toronto or the agent? Of <laughs> Toronto, if you're if you're the Maple Leafs. <laughs> if I was the Maple Leafs and he wanted six years at eight million, they'd be crazy not to do that right now. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, just to get a little bit shorter term. The money's the money. And when you look at all the comparables of Wierenski, Jones, Darnell Nurse, now all these guys are somewhat in a grouping. They're all a little bit different. But the commonality is the numbers coming in. They're huge. Mm -hmm. And it just jumped up just like that. I mean, even a guy like John Klingberg, I hear he's out there. He's looking for something with an eight in front of it. And, boy, that is a bridge too far for me. I like John Klingberg. That's a lot of money for him, but everybody's trying to force themselves into that grouping. But Klingberg's numbers uh, are comparable to to Hamilton's, and you watch just Hamilton blow out uh, nine plus on an AAV, and can 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 the Leafs even go to eight million dollars? Is that even possible with the the money that they've committed up front to the forwards? Boy, I think it's getting really challenging. You know, to be fair to the Leafs, they didn't know there was going to be a pandemic. They didn't know the cap was going to slow. And they went so big on their forwards, starting with Tavares, obviously, and Marner and Matthews, that it makes it really challenging, almost impossible. Uh, If not for some of the changes we've seen, you know, with the cap not rising, you'd like to think a guy like Morgan Riley he would feel pretty comfortable about his future with the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. And yet that's not the case. Oh, not at so, all. I, I was, so you can, you can have Morgan Riley back. You just got to sign half of the university of Toronto lineup. That's all. <laughs> right. And don't you think guys, I mean, that's another thing I was thinking about at some point with the pandemic, boy, I'd love to see the national hockey league jump in and agree with the players association. Yeah. We may need some type of short term, exemption mm-hmm. for teams. I know teams are up against the cap. I know you could say they created it themselves, but at the same time, the national hockey league, I don't believe is planning to have teams as tangled up as they are right now. Uh, I think it's only short term until we start to see some of the effects of the positive things going on around the league. But boy, every time I talk to a general manager, it is the exact same song and it's not a pretty one right now. 
Yeah, no kidding. So let's say the the Riley camp is is uh, more aggressive and wants nine million or something that the Leafs feel they can't do. How do you feel about letting players walk, like using them throughout the the term of their contract and then just letting them leave, a la Zach Hyman? Would the Leafs be better off to do that with Riley, get a cheap year out of them, or to try to retain assets or, or sorry, recoup assets for them? Well, first of all, how do I feel? Horrible. How yeah. does anybody feel when you bring in a drafted guy, develop him, he's homegrown, and then you watch him walk out of town for nothing? That's not a great feeling. I know you get cap space, mm-hmm. but he's not the player that you want to go back to the rest of your management team, your ownership, and say, but we get cap space back. There's other players that fit into that category that, you know, when the time comes, will walk, and you'll be okay with it because they will have been overpaid. That's not the case with Morgan at all. And I got to think it would be a horrible feeling to just let it ride this year if you didn't feel, and I mean really a high percentage confident that you were going to sign him. If you felt like it was 50-50, that, that would be really tough to do if you were managing the club. And yet there's so many other factors when you look at Toronto right now, you guys. I mean, do they have to make the playoffs this year? Do they have to win a round? Are people potentially going to lose their jobs if they don't? I'm not saying any of that's going to happen. I'm just saying those are the questions that are swirling, not just in Toronto, but around the rest of the National Hockey League. That's uh, whether or not you you make the playoffs, miss the playoffs, lose in the first round, or win the Stanley Cup. You gotta you gotta sign players for next year as well, and maybe you know the way Jack Campbell's going, one point six this year. Uh, that might be a bigger worry than even Morgan Riley. Yeah. No, they, 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 they've got challenges. I mean, I felt like they were really aggressive on their contracts early for their forwards. And they had some really bad luck in terms of how the pandemic has affected revenues. And it's definitely slowed things down. But I still felt in a normal world, it's somewhat relevant or relative, excuse me. And they were aggressive. On their contracts, they got guys signed, not as long in some cases. Obviously, you wish Austin Matthews was signed longer now. But uh, that's the bed they made, and now they've got to figure out how to manage it. And it's not going to be easy. But they, they, they went cheap, and they're lucky because a guy like Bunting can come in under a million dollars. And, you know, is is there a few teams out there that, that aren't kicking themselves that didn't pay – one two or one five for this guy because they they are squeezing everything they can out of him real early here and a guy like richie not only did you give him two and a half but you gave him another year and he is not giving leaf fans what they want to see compared to bunting yeah you got to find guys like that every year kipper i mean you watch the florida panthers with verhage great signing many other teams have done it Toronto's got to be, they're going to be forced to fish in that pond a little bit more often than they probably would like because of the rest of their contract structure right now. That's just the world they're living in. And you got to give them credit for coming up with a guy like Bunting and they've come up with others in the past at times. Uh, But that's just the new world. If you want to have a bang out year, you're going to have to be able to do that consistently, at least in the year that you're trying to get it done. And this year is so important to Toronto um, I am so curious to see how it ends up for them. I've watched them early, obviously haven't had Austin, haven't been blown away by their team. Um, 
you know, the story is yet to be written, but it's not one of overwhelming confidence for me at this stage. Carter Verhage, uh, much like bunting, bet on himself million dollars, and then he parlays that into a contract that pays him $4.1 million for Florida. Uh, that, that could be bunting. I think for Leaf fans, they hope it is, but maybe not if, if it uh, squeezes even that salary cap harder. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting what's going on right now with salaries in the NHL. you got all kinds of veteran guys that are taking minimum contracts you got all kinds of guys that maybe haven't done it before, like a Bunting, like a Verhage. If you can come in and just have one year and you're still young enough, you can really gyrate in your salary pay. And that is a little bit of a byproduct of a salary cap world, but it's happening more than it had early on, that's for sure. And I think you're going to consider continue to see that type of changes happen. And it's uh, it's driving general managers crazy they want certainty they want the washington capitals you know where they've essentially had the same core forever that's what gms are looking for um, but it's hard to roll that way now you know and i watch some of the guys that do it really effectively i think doug armstrong did a nice job in st louis rolling players out rolling other ones in i think tom dundon donnie waddell down in carolina those guys are doing an amazing job they're not afraid to make tough decisions and yet they've kept it going really nicely. I think they're going to have an excellent year. So uh, you, you really got to be on top of your game to be managing a club in today's uh, environment. So lots, you've been on both sides of the agent and GM discussion and all, and all these contracts. How do you feel about the effect the salary cap has had on the NHL? Um, you know, we complain about it on this show over the past few weeks, just because it kills the Leafs and and, you know, that could be the local bias here, but it feels like, it probably has a negative detriment on the product. You can't keep the Chicago Blackhawks together. You can't keep the, you know, you can't keep any of the winners together. Um, do you think that's a, a big detriment to the league or is it having a positive effect in ways I'm not thinking of? Well, it definitely, the, the positive effect is that everybody is competitive now. And we've talked about that for a long time in the National Hockey League, even though, even though we had, what, three teams win eight cups over a recent 10-year span in Chicago, Pittsburgh, and L.A., I still think the league is more wide open than it's ever been. And those teams, is that as their cups get more in the rearview mirror, some of those teams are more distant than they've been in a long time from winning a cup again. That, to me, um, is a little bit of an anomaly as to where we sit today. You know, a team like St. Louis finally breaks through. Um, they win a cup. Washington won their cup. Tampa Bay looks like they've got a dynasty going now, but we'll see how long they can continue that. This year seems to be the year where, you know, they got a pretty big bite taken out of them. So it's a very fluid equation. I know that one of the goals has been for a long time for the NHL to be competitive. They like that. I'm a little bit the other way. I like to root for dynasties. I like to see super teams like we did, you know, when New Jersey back in that era and Colorado and Detroit, those were the teams that were winning eight cups over a 10-year period. But they were truly super teams. They were Hall of Fame guys getting together and playing together like you saw in Detroit, like you saw with Colorado, and like you saw with New Jersey. So uh, it's two contrasting times. I liked it better when we had the super teams versus more parity. 
Lots, I want to change gears a little bit here and and talk about uh, uh, the Jack Eichel uh, situation. A few guys uh, that we have in hockey have worn more hats than you, agent, general manager. Um, and I'm just wondering now if you can draw any comparable to your situation in Tampa Bay where you ne- needed or you wanted to trade a superstar like Vinny LeCavalier and you had you know, all these circumstances around you. And now we're watching Kevin Adams in Buffalo uh, in a similar situation where circumstances uh, around him have made it rather difficult. Do you see any, any lines? Um, We did obviously consider trading Vinny when I was there, but uh, his situation was a little bit different. I think what's really holding up Jack Eichel now what was holding up, you know, maybe a trade for Vinny back then was, you know, a real defined market. Um, you know, he had a real aggressive contract at that time, and those things were problematic. In Jack's case, to me, it's it's really more. There, there clearly are teams that would trade for Jack Eichel if he were 100% healthy right now. The unknown is what is causing people to make some lowball offers, be cautious because they don't know what they're getting and when they're going to get it. And to be fair to Kevin Adams, I actually think he's done a really nice job of hanging in there, being patient, not trying to force a trade out. Uh, I think there's more teams in the public here that have kicked tires in there with would you offers, uh, not offers that would be great. Kevin Adams has resisted all that. He's remained patient. And because of that, um, I think eventually Buffalo will do just fine on that deal. But it's not like Matt Duchesne, which really dragged on. Joe Sackick seemed to take forever. Joe Sackick had the currency to wait forever with a Hall of Fame career behind him. And then it just happened quickly, very so quickly. If, That's not going to happen for Jack Eichel, guys. I just if, don't see that happening. I see it dragging on more until we get some clarity on his health. If you were the general manager of the Buffalo Sabres, would you let him get the surgery that he wants. I don't have all the information that Kevin does, and I'm not punting on it, but if there, if I could find the doctors that I trust to tell me that there isn't a significant risk with him doing it, because that really is the crux of the issue, and, and nobody said that, but clearly Buffalo feels like they're so uncomfortable, in my opinion, they're so uncomfortable with the surgery that Jack wanted to do that it could devalue their asset. I haven't done the due diligence. I'm not sure why they're as uncomfortable. For the, for the little due diligence I've done, it doesn't seem to be as obtrusive as it's been made out to play. I Just, mean, to me, it's very strange, guys, because when I look at COVID, you know, a player has the right to exercise his rights in terms of playing. He owns his body. And then when I see this situation, the team has the right to say, no, you're not doing that surgery. This one's new. I don't remember yeah, any it's circumstance new. like this. It but really is. I, well, I've seen a million injuries, Kipper. I can't remember one listen, where the team and the club were at such odds this, this that is, they couldn't move forward. This is how medical science uh, moves forward. There's always something new. Somebody has to go first. Okay? Somebody has to go. Uh, like, you know why they call it Tommy John surgery? Because Tommy John went first. I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's it. Right. And, and everybody and, and, does and, it now. And everybody does it now. And in three years, everybody will be going 
yeah, I'm going to get the Jack Eichel. Yeah, I'm going to get the Jack Eichel. So, it, come on, it, there's insurance. There's different dynamics here. Let the guy get the surgery and let's move on. But you got to get him back on the ice. Yeah, it's been fascinating to me that the NHLPA hasn't jumped in there with some stance. That that surprised me. The PA is different than it used to be. It, it's it's not as maybe involved as it used to be in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Um, this is one that there's been a lot of silence there, and I'm surprised by that. Now, it may just me- mean that they know that there's nothing they can do. Um, oh, no. it's it's That's the CBA. They They gave up that right. They gave up the right. They can argue all they want. They negotiated that right, that they have final say on the decision. And uh, it's, it's not a good thing for the players. Yeah, it seems like in today's world with how many changes, there's a lot of things that have changed, fellas, in the last few years. I am curious to know about play out. Sorry, how, how you feel the PA has changed over the years. Like when you were a general manager, the PA was quite involved? Um, not as much. More from when I was a player. Right. You know, Bob Goodnow was very involved. He was very uh, – you know, Bob was an aggressive guy. They needed changes. He was vocal. Uh, he was always the tip of the spear. Nowadays, I feel like the PA is just a little bit more subdued. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. Things are good for hockey players. They're really good. You don't see a lot of players complaining. Well, they're yeah. They, well, you do with the escrow. You do. You hear them a lot complain. <laughs> <laughs> It's There's not a little as bit. loud as it used to be when it's the salaries not, were significantly because there, lower. Lots at the end of the day. There's less to fight about. We're talking about now moving percentages. You, there's no reason to blow up a season anymore when you're just talking about moving percentage points. I agree. And I, I think players realize that. And that's part of the reason why it's more subdued, to be fair to the NHLPA. Um, it's definitely a, a friendlier relationship, which is good for the game. Um, but this one here is, is a real, it's, it's a hot button. And at some point something has to give with Jack Eichel and boy, I don't know. He's getting paid. Are they going to force him? Are they going to push the issue? It's it's very interesting to watch unfold. Last one. And I I don't need uh, a a big answer, maybe even just a little yes or no. Um, but this kind of brings it back full circle to, uh, the leaf signing, uh, uh, a player on an ATO. Uh, in in essence, was this cap circumvention or not? No, no, it's not cap circumvention. No, it's, it's not a necessity. Eh? It's necessity. Yeah, there it's should be close. an exemption already. It's close, down. though. You should not have to play without a backup goaltender. I'm sorry, but you shouldn't. That's what I'm talking about. We may need some exemptions just for this pandemic time, and I hope that both. That's something that you would like to think. The NHL would like to put that forward. The NHLPA would like to put that sure. forward. Neither side wants to put it forward because then you have to give something up. But they both probably would like to see it happen. And it's an easy one, I think, uh, to work out. I really do. I just I don't think that one's super complicated. I think everybody has um, some heartfelt emotions about what's happened through the pandemic, how things have changed slightly. And it would behoove everyone if we could come maybe to a solution on something like having teams be shorthanded more often than not, which has not happened, but could happen. So what's on tap tonight? Are you working or are you off tonight? 
I am off tonight, and I start a 15-day stretch where you know, I'm, I'm going a lot of a uh, couple weeks at a time stretches, and it gives me a little bit more time off in between. I'm looking forward to it. The season's fresh. It's been a great start. All kinds of crazy things have happened already. Buffalo's in first place. Edmonton <laughs> hasn't lost. We could go on and on and on. I can't wait to recap it two weeks from now and see what remains and what's changed. Well, on a couple of those uh, stretches when you got some downtime, we'd love you to come back on the show. Anytime, Kipper. Justin, thank you guys for having me on. Thanks, Lance. Right. Appreciate it. Brian Lawton, former NHL player, agent, general manager, and now with the NHL Network. Well, JB, not quite technically cap circumvention, but it's one of those tricky lawyer things it's where like, you, you had a player on your roster, but he didn't really have a player on your roster. Yeah. It makes me mental, though, that he said that neither side wants to put it forth because then you got to give something. Like, can't they just agree on one thing? Is that two rainbows and unicorns? No, I think it can happen. I think it can happen for sure. This is the best league in the world. You got guys. Boys, it's embarrassing. Work their asses off their whole career for an opportunity. And like I said, you know, this is the ultimate. 2021 participation award <laughs> it is it's the ultimate one yeah every, it, every ribbon that your kid got at seven eight or nine doesn't compare to the ribbon that bishop got on the weekend how about what did that ribbon cost michael hutchinson financially is he on a two-way contract i presume yeah, yeah. yeah he is right so yeah he's making 350 in the minor seven seven hundred fifty thousand up so the one day that he could have got called up, that had to have cost him thousands of dollars. Three fifty, not bad in the minors. <laughs> I, I was twenty two five. Twenty two five. Two thousand five hundred was my salary. I made seventy in the HL. And I made seventy. Oh my god, you're you're like buying dinner every night with seventy. <laughs> hey, hamburgers every night. But hamburgers for the boys. And you know what the crazy part about it is, uh, like. Bishop should have got at least a day's pay. It should have been prorated. Absolutely, he should. I think he got his jersey and his nameplate. He got some shirts, this he said. A tracksuit? Yeah, Did throw him some, some shoes or something, don't they? Good, good. Yeah, get I'm some glad. swag. I'm glad.